0: Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment, visit our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com you will find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now we're going to dive into today's episode. My name is Adam Homey. I'm your host. I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest yourself today. And we have a treat for you we have a lot of chaos and disruption these days. And, you know, whether you're listening to this now or whether you're listening to it a year from now, even five years from now, and I'm pretty sure that Business Creators Radio Show will still be around by then. We're already one of the longest continuously running podcasts on the air today in the entrepreneurial space. No matter when you're listening to it, chaos and disruption are really a permanent thing. i 20 years ago somebody told me the only constant is change and I have found through my many years as an entrepreneur that that is one of the facts that has proven itself to be accurate time and time again. So today we're going to get into shift shaping, the secrets of shift shapers and you are going to love our guest. His name is David Saltzman. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about him, and there's a lot to say here, so bear with me and brace yourself for this journey. David Saltzman is a StoryBrand certified guide with more than 35 years of experience creating effective communication across a wide variety of media. As a writer, he spent 21 years a monthly columnist for another of nation, a number of nationwide publications, among them Healthcare Reform, an Employer and Insurance Professional Survival Guide, published by Healthcare Reform Magazine, and he's the author of his upcoming book, Secrets of the Shift Shapers, and depending on when you're listening, it may already be out. David may have more information for us on that. We'll find out. Is a broadcaster and media presence. He hosts the weekly Shift Shapers podcast. As much as you love Business Creators Radio Show, check out his, too. It's awesome. He's spoken nationally on subjects such as marketing, effective communications, brand strategy, the creation and necessity of strategic partnerships, strategic planning, leadership, and more. He shared the stage with former Governor of Florida, Jeb Bush, former United States Secretary of the Treasury, John Snow. NAIC chairman Kevin McCarty, and other key government and industry influencers. His public service includes president of the National Association of Health Underwriters back in 1996 and 1997. So he's a man with a lot of credentials and a lot of background. He was there even before I became an entrepreneur. He's also served as the chairman of the NAHU NAHU, Education Foundation in 2009-2010. And right between those in 2003, he was honored with the Harold R. Gordon Award for Lifetime Service. There is so much more I could say. Those are just a few highlights from this man's incredible bio. David Saltzman, come on in. The weather's fine.
1: Well, Adam, I, I got to tell you, I'm, I am now thoroughly exhausted just from listening to all of that, <laughs> much less having to try to live up to it. But thank you for the invitation to be on the program. I appreciate it.
0: Well, let me tell you this. I'm not even sure I'm worthy to be in your presence and this is my show. And based on what you and I were chatting about before we flipped the live button here, I know you have a lot to share with us, and we're going to get into that. But first, what we like to do here at Business Creators Radio is take a step back and get to know our guests on a personal level. So, David, if you could tell us a little bit about your personal journey and what's brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion, making a difference for your community, market, and audience.
1: Well, I'm, you know, I'm a 35-year-plus veteran of all kinds of aspects of the insurance business, And have learned a lot along the way, mostly what not to do. Um, Ran a third-party administrator for nine years um, based out of Miami. Have worked for two national carriers and have the scars to prove it. And we'll be glad to show them to you at some point where we're not just audio. Um, (laughs) And about 10 years ago, I made the decision that I was going to follow my passion, which has always been doing marketing and helping people learn to tell their stories. And so I started Shift Shapers. And long before it was even a podcast, because I was interested in people who were taking shifts in the industry and shaping them into new ways of doing business, new best practices, all of that, but didn't quite understand or know the most effective way to tell their story and to help them do that. About six years ago, the insurance industry on the employee benefits side got turned upside down with ACA, which some of your listeners may know colloquially as Obamacare. Obamacare, yes. Right, and um, it was a pretty sweeping bill that caused a lot of change to an industry that really hadn't changed an awful lot fundamentally in years and years and years. And a lot of folks were very nervous about how they were going to be able to change their existing business model To continue to thrive and survive as time went on. And I thought, shift shapers, there have to be loads of people who are taking those shifts in this industry now and finding new ways to use them and new ways to reinvent practices. And then I thought to myself, okay, um, how do I get the word out? Um, And at the time I was doing speaking engagements and still do a few, but not as many as I was doing then. And thought there's got to be a better way than standing on a stage in front of 800 or 1,000 people 10 or 12 times a year. And I thought, I'll do a podcast. And I stopped for a minute and said, great, what's a podcast? (laughs) Um, Because the last time I had done radio, it was me and my buddy Marconi and two Quaker Oats boxes and a piece of string. That's how long ago it was. But luckily, as I have throughout all of my career, I was able to listen to podcasts like yours and find some people who were interested in helping me. And we've now interviewed 330 folks, all of whom do different things, all of whom have taken shifts in the industry and shaped them in different ways. So that's the, that's the podcast side of what I do and the background side of what I do. Um, the the broader aspect is something called Shift Shaper Strategies, which is the overriding parent company. And I'm sure we'll talk about that as we go along.
0: Awesome. And, you know, uh, I have a program called the Podcast Creators Institute that helps folks who were in your situation. Uh, what's a podcast? So what do I do? Do I put two strings together with uh, two cans and stretch it as hard as I can and make a telephone conversation like we did in third grade? I, I mean, what, what, what is that? And what is the power of using that medium to create change and help people on their own journey? things come up all the time. And uh, the Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare, is one of those things. Hey, I was around when they first announced the thing. I was there for the two years before they passed it. And then they read the bill and all those other jokes you hear about it. And um, and we keep hearing that it might be repealed and replaced. We never know. Uh, We might get Trump care before this is all over. Eventually, Trump will no longer be in office. There'll be another president. Maybe we'll get a health care system named after that president. We don't know. But the important thing is, is that by having the ability to change with the times and look for those silver linings and invest in that silver lining, because that is a precious metal, that's where we're going to find our success, in my personal opinion.
1: Well, there's always an upside to everything that happens. And, you know, you were talking earlier about chaos and disruption. If there isn't chaos and disruption, my advice is go create some. Because if you're not disrupting, you're not moving forward.
0: Correct. Correct. So now I think would be a good time. Uh, Tell us more about this shift shapers philosophy. Uh, You alluded to it. You gave us a couple little teasers there. Let's dive in now.
1: Well, Shift Shaper Strategies is kind of the overall marketing umbrella that I use. And I have a, obviously I have the podcast, as you do, and a few right. other oddball things going on. Um, there aren't a lot of people who make billions and billions of dollars doing podcasts. And frankly, mine was conceived more as a public service after a really terrific career. And I have a, I have a lot of fun doing it. Yep. And it gives me an excuse to buy mics and gear, and I'm an old gearhead. So all of that works well together. But the primary focus of my business is trying to help folks learn how to tell a story. And it all goes back to research that a a PhD named Daniel Kahneman did called Thinking Fast and Slow. It's a terrific book if you have a lot of time to read, if not just watch his TED Talk. But he and his research partners spent years validating the hypothesis that unlike our current thought process, which is that when we make a decision we instantly have this rational train of thought that comes from our prefrontal cortex and and we validate that information, that we actually make almost every decision that we make as humans with the amygdala, with the old lizard part of the brain. That is to say, they're all made emotionally and we've just become extremely adept at instantly rationalizing those wants and desires using the prefrontal cortex of our brains. So think about the last thing that you bought that you didn't really need. You fell in love with it first, and then you decided you had to have it. Correct. That, that, that kind of a thing. That's become a fossil in the world of selling. And it, it never was that way before when there were great ad agencies, and there were very emotional campaigns going on things sold and today a lot of that at least in person to person sales has gone away and so i start trying by trying to get the clients that i work with to incorporate emotion into their story because if you can't incorporate emotion you can't create a story that your prospect is going to want to join you in so that's that's the beginning of the process the actual process itself comes from my years of experience and a book that I read last summer that just dropped a lot of pieces into place for me called Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. And it, it's, it's brilliant. If you read that book and you read the one thing, uh, you pretty much have a roadmap for how to move yourself forward in whatever your endeavor is that you want to do. At any rate, in, in Don's parlance, what he says is, if you confuse as a salesperson, you'll lose. And too often, what salespeople do, besides being out of position, and we'll talk about that momentarily, is that they walk into a prospect and they do what we call show up and throw up, right? They have all of the answers, they have all of the information, but they've never asked a question and they've never listened. And if you don't do those two things, you can't have a conversation that's going to resonate. So that's the beginning of that. You have to be completely and totally clear. The second problem that folks have, again, in in the broad employee benefits side of the business and also in the financial advising and retirement planning and all of those things, is that they position themselves incorrectly. By that, I mean, they go to see a prospect and they ride in on their white horse and they position themselves as the hero of the story. Now, mind you, they're going to see a C-suite level person. And in the C-suite level person's mind, they're the hero of their story. And the fact of life is that heroes don't hire other heroes. Heroes hire guides, a guide who can show empathy and authority and say, you know what, I've been there before, I understand your problem, I can give you a plan that helps you get where you are. So in, to put it in more popular parlance, Instead of the salesperson being Luke Skywalker, they really need to play the role of Yoda. If we can get those two points across, then we can start building what we call a brand script.
0: That's, you know, you raise a very good point. Show up and throw up. I've never heard that expression before. I may end up uh, subconsciously or even consciously repeating it at some time in the future through my travels. And yeah, that is candidly the case. uh, People do show up and throw up all the time. You know what I thought of when you said that? I thought of this ongoing debate that has been here for as long as I've been in business, which is going on 20 years and was already a thing when I showed up, is what's better, long sales copy or short sales copy? I see sometimes There'll be discussion threads on this topic. They pop up all the time to this day, and some of them are just really bitch fest. People saying, "I hate that sales coffee, Just tell me how much and how to get it." Uh, but then we find study after study that shows that, in most cases, generally speaking, given a certain set of factors—all those phrases intentional—the long stuff sells better. Now, what is the difference? when you really come down to it before, between long sales copy and short sales copy, short sales copy is very matter of fact. Here it is. Here's the features and benefits. Here's the price. Here's the button you click uh, a longer copy tells a story.
1: Well, I think there's a place for both. And that's, I, I agree. That, that's perhaps the, the crux of the problem yeah. is not that it's a or B it's more knowing where to employ a and when and where and when to employ be. But the, the, Hey, just, you know, don't give me any stuff. Just tell me what it costs is great. If what you want to do is sell a commodity. If you want to be a hit and run one-term salesperson, and maybe you're in an industry where that's how things are sold. And that's, that's the nature of the beast. But most industries aren't that way. Think about buying a car. It's an example that I use frequently. Now I lease my automobiles and I take three-year leases. The salesperson. Yeah knows that I've taken a three-year lease. Do you know when I hear from that salesperson? Never.
0: Uh, you usually, if you're, I I also lease vehicles and I usually hear the first thing when the lending company that's holding the lease informs me that the lease is about to expire and they want me to call them to discuss whether I'm going to buy the car or turn it in. That's usually all I hear. And then when I go to the dealership, they say, oh, oh, oh. Oh, yeah, you did lease that car from us three years ago. Well, if you want the same one, you want a different one.
1: Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give a shout out to, a, to an old friend of mine named Michael Iscaro, who taught me a great lesson. Michael has been with Acura in Georgia forever. Yeah. And um, when, I, when I did business with Michael, it was like unlike any car leasing experience I'd ever had because I heard from Michael at least twice a year. And before that letter that you just alluded to that got to you from the manufacturer saying, Hey, your lease is up, come in and take advantage of our great deals. I heard from Michael because Michael knew me and we had a relationship. And that's the key to being successful over the long haul in selling. It is building relationships. You can have the best widget on God's green earth, but if you don't have the way and and the tools to deliver and to develop a personal relationship with somebody, You're not going to be the fellow or gal who gets called back. So I think there's a place, back to your original question, I think there's a place for short copy and long copy. Short copy is almost more valuable in branding, which most companies have no need to do. Unless you're a 5 or a $10 million company, you don't need to do branding. Branding is how people feel about what your service is. What you need to do is marketing. And so the long and short discussion in marketing comes down to a slogan or a one-liner, which is kind of akin to an elevator pitch, but maybe a little bit broader, and the story that you're telling. And so they're two different things, and they serve two different purposes in two different places.
0: Yeah, um, I... Also make the point that, and this kind of parallels what you're saying, or at least dovetails with it. It also depends on where you are in a conversation with that person. In many cases, if they already know your story, they already know a thing or two about you. They're familiar with the brand. At that point, a lot of the no like and trust process has already taken place. So you're at the point where you're now talking business. Now it's a brass tacks conversation about business. All right, here's what we do. Here's how we do it. Here's what you get. Here's how you get started. If it's more of a cold lead, somebody who hasn't had a chance to get to know that brand, that's where the story kicks in. That's where, and I gave all those qualifiers, that the longer copy can be proven to be more effective. Now, you gave a shout out to a a car salesperson. Can I do one?
1: Absolutely. Of
0: course I can. It's my show. All right.
1: right. (laughs) I know that.
0: All right. Yeah, I know a guy. I know a guy. Um, This is a gentleman, a friend of mine I've known for almost as long as I've been in Las Vegas. The man's name is Ronnie Jacobs. I moved to Las Vegas in November 2013. I drove my 2011 Buick Regal, which I write about in my book, all the way across the country, loaded with my computer equipment and my kittens. Uh, I managed to survive. (laughs) Anyway, um, and my cat's sitting right next to me right now, giving me a look of judgment. At any rate... uh, after I was here almost a year, the, uh, the Regal's lease was due. And I'm thinking, you know what? I'm going to get another car. So Ronnie at the time worked for a Mazda dealer that also had Buicks. I, I, I spoke with him. And he said, all right, man, so you're going to come in tomorrow and we're going to get you a car. And I said, all right. And I'm thinking, all right, yeah, I'll come and I'll look at a car tomorrow. I show up at the dealership at the appointed time. And that's key. There was an appointed time. I was to be there at 1 o'clock. And when I'm pulling into the dealership, he's standing out by the curb in front of the door with three cars lined up for me to look at. Uh, he, brought me, he brought me the uh, 2015 Buick Regal. He brought me uh, the smaller version of, the Bu- of that car. I can't remember what the, the one level down was. And then he also put a Mazda 6 Touring Edition in there. And I'm thinking, what's up with the Mazda? So we tried the new Regal. I thought, okay, I can do the same thing. Tried the other Buick. Didn't like it. I didn't like how it felt when I sat in the seat. And then, you know, I'd never seen, I thought I'd always drive a vehicle with an American nameplate, even though, yes, we know the current Buick Regal is really the Opal and Cigna. We get that. He said, just try the Mazda. I felt like that car was designed for me. I'm now on my second Mazda 6 Touring Edition, and barring anything I come up with in research, I'm probably going to have a third one.
1: Because now here, you have a relationship.
0: Exactly. Now let me take that one step further. Uh, Ronnie is not in car sales anymore. He's moved on, and the last time I did business with him, which was about a year ago, he was in the moving business, and I was upgrading to a deluxe. Level apartment in my community. I was in a regular one, and they uh, recommended that I pick up on one of their newly refurbished deluxe models. I'm thinking, four years, I get a better view off the balcony, fifty dollars more a month. I'll, I'll do it. So I need somebody to pick up and move my stuff. I knew Ronnie worked for a, uh, a a moving company. I only had to make one call. I was actually already sold. It was it was it was actually really easy. I actually um, I actually uh, called them. And the receptionist answered, and I said, uh, Ronnie told me to call. He said, oh, yeah. So, again, just that, those, that power of the relationships and how that comes from a story and a brand. And in this case, it's a personal brand of a man you know to trust. It,
1: it, is, it is immense. It, it is the single biggest differentiator between successful entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs who have really skinny kids.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the case. So uh, where do we go from here? Um, what are, if we can get a little bit practical here for a moment, what are some recommendations that you would give to somebody to create awareness and bring some innovation to market using this system?
1: Well, there, there are a lot of things going on right now. Uh, the ability to communicate on a one-to-many basis has become so democratized that there's no reason not to do it. The problem is a question of saturation and making your message stand out. So everybody is over the top about social media, and it's a Uh valuable tool, but it is not the tool. Remember I said if you set yourself up as the guide and you position yourself properly, you have to be able to do two things. The first thing is show empathy, and the second is show authority. So how do you create authority? It's not by going out and hawking your wares. It's about showing that you are a thought leader. And so the people that I think most successful folks follow on social media, certainly on LinkedIn, um, are people who are thought leaders. If you're going to build content, think about what value can I give to my community? Not what value can I give to my community in the hopes of getting something back. Just what value can I provide to my community? That helps build your authority. One of the things that we work on that is frequently overlooked, but that we work on a lot with clients is a topic we call pitching from the stage, which gives you the ability to prospect on a one-to-many basis. And that you do in person. And if you have a good talk and a good delivery and a good way to go about getting people in seats, that is absolutely the best way. I don't know anyone that we've coached on doing a physical presentation. Obviously, you know, before quarantining and letting go of quarantining and whatever's next. You still have to be able to get to venues and things and get people there. But anybody that I've ever coached on doing that has has come away from every single one of those encounters with business. And why? Because it gives you a chance to trot out your story, to show your empathy, to show your authority, and to talk in broad terms to many people about what you can do. So that's, that's often overlooked. I think One of the things that, if you had asked me this question six months ago, I probably would have given you a different answer. Right. One of the big things that people um, can do is video. Again, it's very democratic. It's very easy to do. Um, Of course, you know, the the tools have gotten so insanely easy to use that you don't have to do any editing or learn any of that stuff. You basically, it's it's PhD software, push here, dummy, because that's literally all you have to do. But I watch LinkedIn and Facebook and whatnot, and they're becoming super saturated. So unless you have a way that you can absolutely stand out, by all means, drop some content, but do short written paragraphs or do a podcast or take your podcast and transcribe it. And that's another piece of advice that in the practical down to the nitty gritty, as you put it, is write once or create once, use many. So if I'm doing a podcast, I can do a number of different things with that. If I'm doing a video with somebody, think about it. I can slice that down. I get the video, obviously. I get the audio, which I can put out separately. I can get the audio transcribed and put that out in written form. Or I can take that written form and chunk it into three or four episodes. By the time you're done, you have covered five or six different motifs of being able to deliver useful information. But you've only actually exerted the effort to do it once.
0: Actually, um, it's interesting you bring this up. I have a speaking topic. Uh, it's on a topic. It's on a topic of organic multi-purposing, and I've identified twenty-one things you can do with one recording. So the mm-hmm. possibilities are truly endless when you really think about it. And you also bring up another point that I shared in my chapter of the International Amazon Bestseller Journeys to Success and Millennial Edition, which is what I call, and it's a very similar phrase to what you use, it means substantially a similar thing, the democratization of information dissemination with social media as the guide. Uh, no longer do people with a message, with thoughts, with a mission need to seek permission from gatekeepers to get that word out. You got a camera, you got a Zoom, you got the ability to record audio, uh, you have a social media channel, you have a technology, you push a button and voila, you're a media outlet. The positive is we get to hear new voices, new thoughts, new opinions, and new points of view. The challenge is, as you said, is saturation. And also, there's now so much information out there because it can be done without traditional vetting processes. That can be a a curse because sometimes you get some far out stuff out there. And it can also be a blessing because now we are not imprisoned by the party line like we used to be.
1: That's all true. And that's part of the reason why entrepreneurs in particular need to have websites that are not the website you might think of as being traditional. They need to have websites that are concise, and in one sentence, in the very first frame, make it clear what you do and how you do it, and then maybe have a page behind it talking about your bona fides, because in today's day and age, just hearing something or seeing it on social media, to your absolutely correct point is not enough. You then have to go back and figure out the bona fides of this individual that you're listening to, what, if any, their biases are, um, where they come from, what their background is, et cetera. Uh, But that's, you know, it's interesting. People think websites sell for them. And I probably give you a, a hypothesis that's pretty unpopular, but I can't point to anybody who's ever said, I made a sale because of my website. I can point to people who say they lost sales because of their website. Yeah. And that's because their websites confuse. Remember earlier I said, if you confuse, you'll lose. The, the human brain, Adam, is set up to do two things. It's set up to survive and to thrive. And it will only hold so much information at once. And I, I love the stage example that Don Miller does when he talks about his book. He actually has an assistant bring him bowling balls. And he said, now somebody hands you the first bowling ball, you can handle that. You can, you can contain that information. The second bowling ball you know, maybe a little bit more different. The third bowling ball, now you're starting to strain. And by the fourth ball of bowling ball, you just say, okay, the heck with it. And all the bowling balls fall to the ground. Yeah. This is why being absolutely concise and clear in your messaging is, is the key. And I'll be glad to share my one-liner with you. We call Please. them one-liners in Starry Brand, but they're often two-liners. It's really simple. And I'll ask you a question when I get done reading it to you. says, salespeople and organizations lose opportunities because they do not clearly communicate their value. We help them find, clarify, and deliver a message that wins clients, crushes sales goals, and builds their practice. Is there any doubt in your mind what it is that I do?
0: Not a big doubt.
1: Well, no, there you go. How I do? I mean, it.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, your your explanation of it may be more polished than mine. And I've been speaking with you for about 28 minutes at this point. I have the general idea that you help people uh, find their way through chaos and disruption. And I recognize that you do a lot of your work through the power of story.
1: I, all all the work is the power of story. And yeah, every, every piece of collateral that comes from that, whether it's a leave-behind brochure or a marketing campaign or social media posts, they all derive from that story, and from the positioning yeah. that, that you need to do. Look, think about any book that you've ever read, or a movie that you've ever seen. They all follow the same basic theory, don't they? There's, there's a, a main character, or a hero, if you prefer the term. Yeah. And the hero wants something. Maybe it's to avoid the ninjas throwing little stars. Maybe it's to get the girl. Whatever it happens to be, they want something, or they don't want to lose something. And they meet a guide, and the guide says, Hey, come with me. I know the back roads, I know how to do this. The guide gives them a plan, they execute the guide's plan and they get what they want in the end. Now there are loads of different twists and turns on that, but that's basically story brand process. But it's not the process that most entrepreneurs use when they go to talk to somebody and they confuse the heck out of them or they just sit there and, and, and lull them into this state of, of intense euphoria and they fall asleep. I mean, it, you can't be compelling if you're doing that. So we help right. them be compelling.
0: Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, what's interesting, I, I meant to mention this earlier and I'm feeling the intuition to pull it up right now. We earlier discussed long version sales letters versus short version sales letters of, uh, There's a guy out there you probably have heard of, Jordan Belfort. You know the name, right? Mm -hmm, Sure. The Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. If you go to his website, you see the Straight Line Persuasion System. There's the mini version of it. He has different language versions. He has a couple other courses with similar names. And if you want, you can even buy the original Stratton Oakmont, if I'm getting the company name right, Sales Scripts, the place where it all started. You can buy all this off his website. It's available right now. You can get it in his membership site, instant download. I know people have it. I have one of the smaller courses myself because I, I wanted the fast version. His website does not have sales letters for those courses. Basically, it's here's a picture of it by now. Yeah. The, and, uh, and it occurred to me that he doesn't need sales letters because his sales letter is a blockbuster movie.
1: That's correct.
0: Yeah. We already know his story. We know where he comes from. And through that story, we understand why he's qualified to be your expert and guide in that area. And you trust that enough that regardless of what you think of what he did back in the day, you recognize that he is a powerful sales persuader and he's somebody who can show you how to do that. So Mm. you trust that you buy that course, you'll probably get some benefits.
1: Of course. And and every person who worked in those boiler rooms use the same basic concepts and building blocks that we're talking about today.
0: It is basically the same thing, no matter what you, as I found it, no matter what you're doing, there's some sort of story behind it. And I also wanted to come back to another thing you said. This is one of those interesting conversations where uh, I keep making bookmarks based on all the brilliance and passion you share with us. And here's another one. You stated that you don't know anybody Whoever said, I made a sale through my website, but you know people who said, I lost a sale through my website. And it's funny you brought that up. I do know people that say that they made a sale through their website, and I honestly believe that they were flattering their web developers, which is the reason I stopped doing that work. I shut down my web development firm. It was that, because approaching business from that model was, to me, I ultimately, came to feel that I was out of integrity with it for the simple reason that it attracted the person who would spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars wanting to build a website. And then it'd be so exhausted with the whole thing that never do a damn thing with it. So it's like, we're building castles that nobody ever moves into. What fun, what fun is that really?
1: No, not only is there no fun, but, but basically what you're doing is writing war and peace in longhand on the head of a pin. Those websites, not too many years ago, and, and still some websites today, were so thick with information that you couldn't find what you were looking for and what you were interested. In. I mean, Forrester does research. I think the newest research is if somebody on the web can't find what they want within eight seconds, they go on to the next website. If you've got a website that's very like the ones you developed and like the ones that I worked on years ago, that's so dense and has every bit of information that anybody could ever possibly want to know about you on the website, they're not going to be able to find anything. What do they want to know? They want to know that you understand their problem and that you can give them a path to follow to solve the problem.
0: Yeah, you know, um, I'm pulling this up right now. Uh, Interesting thing why I pull this up. I I meant to have this uh, link before we got started, but I didn't realize we're going to end up using it. Uh, Am I spelling this right? Yes, I am. I'm typing in my own URL, and I'm thinking, how the hell do I spell it? But anyway, um, (laughs) yeah, yeah, funny thing about podcasting. You're sitting in a really nice studio, and you have thousands of dollars of equipment in front of you. I'm sitting on my living room couch using my $40 Logitech headset plugged into my laptop. Uh, the motif of the business creators radio show is, yeah, it has kind of a gorilla feel to it. It's something that anybody can do from anywhere. And that's actually the whole point. I could go all high tech Hollywood if I wanted to, I choose not to, because part of my story is I want to inspire you to push a button and just do it.
1: Look, if you want, and, to and,
0: I, it and, I'm, with- and I, yeah, and I'm showing, and I'm showing, we've had this show, this damn show, on the air for almost seven years, mm-hmm. and we're still kicking it, and I've still not gotten a five thousand dollars studio set up, and look, I'm doing it, I'm, and I'm making money with it. Look, so it, can you?
1: It's all, a, it's all a question of what you want to do. I also do some voiceover work, short form and long form, and so for me, this is this is kind of a hobby. But you know what? If you have an idea and you want to share it and you want a podcast, pull out your dang phone, turn it on, and record something. It, you know, the, the, people always ask me, you know, what, what's, what's the best microphone? The best microphone is the one you have with you when you have an idea. Correct. And it doesn't yeah. matter whether that's a $29 or an $80 or $100 Logitech headset, or whether it's my gear or anybody else's. It, it's the information that you convey, the, the, the studio stuff. And the gear, that I do for me because that's my hobby. Right. But if the show weren't interesting, if it didn't provide information that my audience or your show didn't provide information that your audience could act on, they'd never listen. And it wouldn't matter if you were broadcasting from the top of the Chrysler building right. or if you were broadcasting from your mom's basement.
0: Right, right, right. And, you know, we've had some interesting scenarios. We had somebody call in from the middle of a Colombian raid forest. We had somebody who was sitting on top of, of uh, an airport building in Tel Aviv, and you could hear the jets f- string over while he was speaking. And to me, those are interesting stories. And that has people in their real environments doing their real things. And to me, that's where the, that that's where the interest is. That's where the fun is.
1: Well, if it makes you feel any less studio wise, I'm I'm actually sitting at a desk in my apartment and no <laughs> I,
0: nice, nice. No sound
1: treatment, yeah. no nothing. Just me and an iMac and a microphone.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So uh oh yeah, so back to what I was saying. My uh my business consulting website, businesscreatorsinstitute.com. We revamped that thing a couple months ago. And the way I did it is there was an old version of the website there that actually had not been updated in some time, mea culpa. And I realized that it was still positioning me as something that really was something I kind of moved on from. Meanwhile, I published this international Amazon bestseller called Groundhog Day is an event, not a business strategy, which outlines the spring formula for achieving maximum results through minimalism in your business. So uh, I literally just deleted the entire previous website, just went into my FTP, found the WordPress files, and gone through the file manager, nothing, installed the whole thing from scratch, started over, and... The, uh, it does have a number of pages on it. There's a page about what we call the brain bandwidth dilemma. There's a page that outlines a spring formula. There's a page that outlines our solutions by giving examples of the work we do. And there's a, a, a section called articles with 71 versions of story selling on it. That's basically the entire site. The avatar for this website is somebody who already knows who I am, somebody who is already in that process of deciding whether inviting me into their business and their life is something they want to do, and they want to get to know more about my style and more about some of the things that we as the Business Creators Institute have actually done. There's no about page. There's no, uh, you know, our team page or anything like that. I have a team, but, you know whatever uh and uh, they're they're great people but uh, yeah but for me to list my social media team my web design team my podcast production team that's not the same as my business creators Institute team although they all make the business creators Institute possible it's not like I have five consultants it's my it's my personal consulting brand but the point of this site is it's really just one extended story
1: to, you know to use an old bromide what people want to know is what time it is they don't care how the watch works
0: i love that yes
1: and it, i mean it, it's really i mean I, you don't need to go all deposition do you know what time it is yes you can tell somebody what time it is yeah you don't need to tell them how to build a watch because they don't care
0: if they wanted to know how to build a watch their question would be hey do you know how to build a watch or if they were curious about my watch they would say what kind of watch is that but right. if they're asking what time it is, they want me to look at that watch and tell them what time it is. There's a distinction. It's what they're asking for.
1: That's correct. And and see what in, in your little chat about what you know what's on your website and whatnot, what I gleaned from that was, gee, Adam spent some time thinking about up front who his customer was, what his customer wanted, what information they needed, and how he could best entice them to do business with him. You and I both know that most folks don't spend the time planning in advance before they do any of this stuff. They just start regurgitating stuff that they know. And that's, you can't be successful that way. Whether it's on a cocktail napkin or you do it using a fancy spreadsheet, you still have to figure those things out in advance when, and I'm sure you could ask the same question about, well, you know, how do I start a podcast and you know, what do, what do I do it? Well, the first question is why are you starting a podcast?
0: yeah yeah that, that that's a funny thing that I see all the time. I belong to a lot of uh podcasts. Their forums on Facebook and LinkedIn and things like that. And the conversations are all about what microphone should I use? What soundboard should I use? What kind of foam padding should I use? Okay, that's great. If you're interested in that, that's perfectly fine. Uh, I saw a post, uh, and this was right at the height of the whole COVID thing, when everything was locked down right around the time, uh, those of us with IRS direct deposits started getting our Trump checks. And uh, like clockwork, I saw in the post, I saw somebody post. I just spent my entire Trump check on all this great gadgety equipment. They listed all the part numbers and everything else. And uh, I went and I checked out his posting history. I looked at his websites and things like that. And I'm thinking, okay, it's great that you got all these gadgets. And, you know, if you're a gadget guy, and I know you said you're kind of a gadget guy, that's awesome. But there was still that question is, what's your podcast about? What's your goal? Uh, what's, your, what's your audience? What is the difference you want to make for your community, market, and audience?
1: Look, here, here's the deal. Your gear or your website or whatever are not ever going to get you work. What's going to get you work is you and the information that you put out into the universe. Yeah. Going so, back. I said, I'm a gearhead, but I do yeah. that for me. That's my fun. That's my hobby. Uh-huh. But if, if, you, if, if you want to know what kind of microphone, I'm going to, another kind of shameless plug. Go if for it. If you want to know what kind of microphone that, that you want to get, there's a fellow named Mike Delgado who's a voice actor. And Mike does a series on YouTube called Booth Junkie. And in a recent episode, he pulled out an iPhone and recorded this little video, the audio for the video, using an iPhone. Now, Mike sounds good if he were using a megaphone. But his point is that the best microphone is the one you have. You can always upgrade your gear, but if you can't, as you and I were just talking about, if you can't put content that's meaningful out into the universe in a way that your audience responds to, it doesn't matter whether you're using a $3,000 ribbon microphone or whether you're using those two Quaker Oats boxes and a piece of string.
0: Yeah. That's 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 the fact. And in my podcast Creators Institute cur- curriculum, I give the example of, yeah, you could record this on your smartphone. I do have the recommendation, use a lavalier Mac and have your be- la- lavalier mic and uh, use earbud hear- headphones. The reason being is simply, in case the speakerphone function ends up echoing, you don't want to hear the guest echoing back on themselves. So it's just a fail safe for that. But to your point, yeah, you can pick up your device. And a lot of the times that echoing thing won't happen. I just recommend that stuff again as a fail safe in case it does. So you don't have to, you know, end up with a crappy raw product. But a lot of the time you really can just turn your phone on, record something. If you're doing a solo, if you're doing an interview, you can do the conversation and there you have it. You don't need the Hollywood production to get that done.
1: No, it's 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 exactly the same thing that we started talking about, isn't it, Adam? It, it, yeah. it's all about the story that you're telling and the value that you're putting out into the universe.
0: Yeah, um, I and I and another piece of advice I give to people uh, through that course is, you know, if you uh, if you don't want to necessarily get into that Hollywood studio stuff because you just don't want to, or it's more, you know, it's more expensive, you can undertake at this time, whatever reason, or whatever, you know, Uh, one theme you can use is you can do a from the field format, where you're moving around. And every time you do an episode, you're doing it for somewhere else, you're actually out in the field. And that in itself creates a story.
1: Of course it does. But again, the question that you tell your people to ask, and the question I tell my folks, my clients to ask is, why are you doing this? What is the information that you're putting out in the universe? And how is it valuable to your audience? Folks, exactly. folks don't do that. They just go, okay, cool. I can be a radio star. I can be on video and, and be on Facebook. And that's really cool. And if you think that's cool, God bless you. If you want to build a business, cool is not the thing you want to go for first.
0: Right. I'm with you on that. Now we have about uh, a little over 10 minutes left. I know time is really flying when you have fun. And there's another area that I really want to get into here. Uh, you know, we have these things like boundaries and the way it's been and the way it works. So my question to you, David, is how can creative disruption, like you share, allow us to work within existing infrastructures and industry?
1: Well, the the original phrase that Alfred Schumpeter came up with around the turn of the century wasn't creative disruption. That was Clayton Christensen's term. His term was creative destruction. And I would argue that, and I don't mean that in a blow things up kind of a way, but, but sometimes, as Buckminster Fuller said, the, the best way to go out and bring a new idea out is to, is to create an idea that makes the old way obsolete. And so if you, if you want to be different and disruptive, again, you need to think of the same basic formats. Disruptive is great, but it sits on top of the why am I doing this? What is the content I'm giving out? What is the value that I'm bringing? Then you can decide whether you want to do it in a disruptive fashion or not. For example, the example that you used about doing an, an on the street kind of an interview series where you're doing it live and you don't have to worry about studio and quiet mics and all that crazy stuff. Um, and you just build that and you make that like the third character in your, in your interview. But I keep, I know I sound like a broken record, but I keep coming back to the same basic format. Yeah. As disruptive as you want. Um, you know, when I was, when I was first in the business and I was, th- was a, a commission, straight commission salesperson, my motto came off the side of a concrete truck, which was find a hole and fill it. I love it. And I mean, that's, you can be disruptive, but you, you got to put food on the table first. A lot of people are disruptive. I think, simply for the process of being disruptive. If you can be disruptive in a way that brings value, then you've got the world by the tail. But if you're just being disruptive to be disruptive, it's kind of an ego play, I think, for for a lot of people. It's kind of a, hey, look at me thing.
0: Yeah, and with disruption, one of the forms of disruption I love is contrarianism. And through contrarianism, we sometimes discover new insights that make our sometimes our existing views even more powerful. For example, David uh David do you want to know the truth?
1: No, I'd, I'd rather hear a lie.
0: Okay. Uh okay, so we'll assume you want to hear the truth. You know there's no such thing as the truth. And yes, when I say that from stage or I say that on a show, you hear silence. Like, yeah. What? what do you mean there's no such thing as the truth? Of course there's a the truth. No, there's not. There are facts that can be empirically, scientifically, analytically proven to be factual, things that exist, things that are, but each one of us has our own truth based on our own education experiences, background, and worldview that causes us to see things differently. You can have three people witness something, have them separately take polygraph tests. They all give totally different accounts of it and all of them pass the polygraph test. The reason is polygraph tests do not look at facts. They look for pre-verification or or lack thereof. In other words, is the person doing something that indicates that they consciously or subconsciously know they're lying? If they believe for themselves they're telling a straight story, they will pass that test, even if all three of them see the same thing and give three different stories.
1: Of course. let me, let me try to go back to your disruption question. I'll answer it a different way. Please do. You were kind enough to mention that I'm working on a book called secrets of the shift shapers. Yes. Um, hopefully that will be out soon. It's been kind of a long-term labor of love, but one of the secrets I'll share with you with all due love and respect to Simon Sinek, there isn't a single one of the 330 people I've interviewed so far that started by asking why, If you're an entrepreneur and you're a creator and you want to be disruptive in a positive way, you need to ask the question that all of those folks asked, which was, why not? And that's when you talk about seeing the other side of something or being contrary. That's really, I think, the best phrase a contrarian can use is, okay, why not? You can't do it this way. Why not? Nobody's ever done it this way. Why not? It won't work. Why not?
0: It's really the same thing. If you go back to the five whys which you're referencing, uh, you keep asking why enough times and the usual number is about five, you get to the point of it. You're just simply taking it from a contrarian point of view, a disruptive point of view, and saying, well, why not? Why not do it that way? Right. What's stopping Everybody us?
1: who's disruptive says why not. Yeah. Don't they? Yes, they do. So there's your truth and there's my truth and then there's the truth uh-huh. of the customer, which is really what matters.
0: Uh, there and there 's also and there 's also what people say they want there 's what people think they want there 's what they actually respond to that gets them to take the action you want them to take, and which that, is based on their truth, not yours, not somebody else's
1: correct and that 's why the story brand methodology is so important in positioning you when I talked about being the guide rather than being the main character, because what they want that 's their character as the guide, you can help get them through that. What they say they want, what they think they want, what they really want. But it's their want, it's their need. It's not yours as the salesperson or even as the person helping them build their story. You're a facilitator. You're going to say to them yeah. the questions again that I that I tell people, you know, ask somebody why do you have a benefits plan? And then be quiet. And then ask them, how is your current plan meeting those objectives? once you've asked those two questions and let somebody talk, they'll tell you exactly what you need to do to help them.
0: Yeah. Uh, I do this at networking functions all the time. There's that inevitable question that comes up. Oh, so what do you do? Mm-hmm. I, I have a contest with myself and I've been winning it for five years so far to never answer that question. Instead, I immediately turn it around to getting to know more about the other person. Cause you know what, David, frankly, I don't even give a rat's ass what I do. What I'm interested in, and that conversation is finding out where their need is, yep. where their goals are, where their vision is, and making the decision for myself, can I help this person? And they will tell me how. It doesn't matter what I do. I don't need them to fit into my box. I need to fit into their box if I want to build a relationship.
1: But, but Adam, you, you've just given everybody the secret of how to be successful. Yeah. It's all I'm... about other people. It's not about you. right. It's all about emotion. It's all about saying, I have empathy, and I have authority, and I can help you.
0: Right, right. Here's another thing I say to folks sometimes, and this goes back to the, um, the, the value of what people call truth. Uh, I shared that statement a couple of weeks ago. Uh, There's no such thing as the truth as somebody. And they said, uh, that's, you're wrong, uh, because uh, the salvation of Jesus is the truth. And I say, I said, well, hey, I'm a Christian. Jesus Christ is my savior. And I say that all the time. And I'm, and it's something that's very important to me. But let's look at this. Uh, You know, any Jewish people? Now I'm I'm saying this all very colloquially and I may be off on a point or two, but I'm going to get the general point across. If you ask a Jewish person, they may say, yeah, we hear about that Jesus you talk about. and He's a cold dude, but he's not the Messiah. We're still waiting for the Messiah. You ask a Muslim and they're going to say, yeah, yeah, we mentioned him in the Quran. Uh, he, was, he was a prophet, but we want to make clear, as we say twenty-five times in this book, God didn't have a son. So, what's the truth? Meanwhile, all three of those religions uh, worship the same God. It's
1: an interesting part of human nature, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, there, there are two things that I never discuss. One is one is religion, and the other is politics. But I will share Great. this with you. If you're sure. thinking about politics, especially as you come closer to a national election, remember, as my friend Art once taught me, that politics comes from two Latin wor- root words, poly meaning many and "ticks," meaning bloodsuckers.
0: <laughs> uh, and you are not far off, my friend.
1: Yeah, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know, we, discover, we discover more of that. And a you know, phrase that sometimes gets brought up uh, when folks are trying to convince others to switch to, their, to the other side, and they'll say, why are you voting against your interests? People say that to me all the time, and I say, tell me my interests. You seem to think that the choice I've made for who I'm going to select uh, in our next presidential election is somehow against my interests. Tell me what my interests are. And it's like, uh... Well, well, he or she uh, uh, is, is bad and, and uh, this policy is wrong and everything. What does that have to do with my interests? What are my interests? What, what, how, do, how do I get served here? When you can tell me that, and if you want to persuade me to vote for your person instead of my person, get to know my interests and show me how your option is actually better for my interests than my person. But do it for my interests. Don't tell me what they are. Ask me what they are.
1: Right, right. But, but if your person had said, hey, I have empathy and I have authority and I think I know what you want and I can help you get there, boy, they're your person, aren't they?
0: I'm at, at bare minimum, I want to know more about this empathy and more about the interest they're showing because if, if for no other reason, and this is where it often gets started, I just want to see what they came up with.
1: Yep. But, but you know what, Adam? Now we're having a conversation.
0: Yes, we are.
1: And that, that's so much of the key to being able to move your business forward and to be successful no matter what your field of endeavor is. It's the ability to have that conversation. How do you get there? You start.
0: Correct. Uh, if, you have, if you have to get from point A to point B, how do you get closer? You take a step. Yep. That's, I mean, that may sound like a truism. It may sound uh, like uh, some sort of simplistic metaphor, but it is Factual. You okay. will get. You will get. You will move one way or another in the direction of point B from point A. Even if the step is in the incorrect direction, at least you're moving. And when you discover you're heading in the incorrect direction, you will learn along the way, which will make you more powerful when you get there.
1: My friend, it's all in the simplicity. If yes. You, if, 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 as Einstein said, if you can't explain something simply, you don't understand it well enough. In my entire career, the best compliment anyone could ever pay me, especially when I was selling, was, boy, you know, I've had that explained to me a dozen times before, and I've never understood it until today. So it's always the simple stuff. It's never the complicated stuff. It, it's, Plutarch said that. It's, you know, it's never in the complex. It's in the simple stuff, a, a little bit of wit or a jest or a kind gesture. Um, it, that's, it's, we all overcomplicate it. That, that's what story brand is about. It's about uncomplicating yeah. it.
0: Right. You know, I, I can't think of a better compliment to give either. And since we actually are, believe it or not, right at the top here, we have about two minutes left. I want to give one of those minutes to you, my friend, David, and tell us a little bit more about uh, anybody who's listening now and they're leaning in. They want to take this a little bit further. Uh, how do they get a hold of you and what do they have to look forward to when they get there?
1: Well, uh, hopefully, what they have to look forward to is an interested listener and somebody who can react and, and give them a hand. The um, if you want to learn more about what we do, the website is is Shift Shapers Strategies, all one word. Yep. dot com. Um, if you want to reach out to me directly, um, you can reach me at David at Shift Shapers Strategies. Um, and I'm sure that we'll you know we, we'll put some information up hither and yon, but. I'm more than happy to chat with anybody in any field. Most of my practice is in the, in, in the broad insurance and investments area, but the, the concepts are the same all the way across the board. So if you're, if you're not feeling as though you're resonating the way you should, if you don't feel as though your message is getting out, if you feel that you have a better mousetrap, but yet other folks are beating you to the mousetrap business, get in touch. We'll try to help you.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So I'll say that URL for everybody one more time. That's shiftshapersstrategies.com. So you can go to David's profile on businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll see the link to it. And be aware there are two S's there, shiftshapersstrategies.com, and you'll get there. All right, so uh, David Saltzman, thank you so much for being with us today and showing us some of the secrets of Shift Shapers. It has been an honor, and believe me, in education.
1: Adam, thank you so much for inviting me. I appreciate it.
0: You bet, and we trust that all of our listeners, you've enjoyed today's episode, the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and our upcoming episodes on our website at, once again, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.